Brain Soda. Welcome everyone to the Brain Soda Podcast. I am Kyle, joined today by Brad. How's it going? Frog is on an adventure, but we will be discussing Sir Isaac Newton. But first, in 1999, Brad, there was a man from Virginia. He had actually had his own like local cable access television show. And he went to the New York School of Visual Arts. His name was Trevor Moore. No relation. Trevor Moore, <laughs> man. Uh, yep. Today we're talking about the whitest kids you know. The sketch comedy group. That is really where our story starts. Born in Virginia, Trevor Moore goes to the School of Visual Arts in New York City. And going to comedy clubs and doing things of that nature, he met up with Sam Brown. Sam Brown and him kind of tool around and, and start a comedy troupe with Zach Krager. Zach Krager, I believe he was more graphic design, but he obviously did do acting and things like that as well. But they all attended SVA together. Okay. Right? So... SBA, that's high school or college? That is, no, that is the New York School of Visual Arts. This is a college. Okay. okay. Yeah. They originally had a number of different members in the, the sketch troupe. And it was actually an official club, like a sanctioned club by SVA. They used to do monthly shows in their amphitheater. And by all accounts, like it was pretty regularly filled. Really? For their shows. Yeah. Just the, the, the three of them? So they had various other members, none of which okay. held on by the point that uh, we were watching them, or, or at least mm-hmm. knew of them from their online presence. Okay. Um, there is there is one guy, uh, he's listed as Anthony. In watching some of the stuff with commentary tracks and stuff like that, you hear Zach say, there's my friend Tony. And I believe that that guy... Who, like, as a frame of reference, do you remember the guy that Trevor does the blue screen with at the end of (laughs) My Parents Are Dead? I don't think so. I was on a soundstage directly away from him. (laughs) And so I was completely safe the whole time. And they they show him blue screened in. And then there's this black guy in Central Park or whatever doing a dap. That, Mm -hmm. I believe, was an original member of of the sketch troupe. Um, But... But around September 11th, they had met Timmy Williams. Timmy oh, okay. wasn't attending SVA, but he was living in New York City nearby their dorms. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so so wait, that's... wait. How, wait, is he like the same age as them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think he was attending SVA. Yeah. All right. Is essentially what it is. But yeah. so either way, like they, again, on the commentary tracks that I had listened to as part of my research, they talked about how like to get a better view of the towers, they went to t- Timmy's room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like another amusing anecdote was the three of them decided they were going to kidnap Tidney and put him on the subway <laughs> or on a train and send him to Coney Island. This is so, making so much sense because like, yeah, right, know, yeah. it just seems like Timmy's always like, yeah. The one they dunk on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It is. It is. Yeah. It even shows in the sketches too. <laughs> but, um, but so apparently they, uh, they kick the door in and like start tying him up and stuff like that. <laughs> But they had kicked the door in so hard 
they locked themselves in the room, so they had to get, like, the room manager to come let them out, and he spotted Timmy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's his birthday. And when Timmy escapes them, he's, like, running away with a hood on, like, taped up or whatever, going, it's not my birthday! It's not my birthday! This went on until about 2003, when they were starting to, like, get closer to graduation. At that point, they obviously kind of had to dissolve themselves from their affiliation with the school. And on the set of, like, some independent film, Zach had already met Darren, Darren Trumeter, and he joined the troupe as well. So after that, they began to tour, and that touring and working together really kind of culminated at least to that point of, you know, being a small New York City-based sketch troupe with touring, but then these guys won Best Sketch Group in 2006 at the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival and the Aspen Comedy Festival as well. Really? Like, doing... Okay, so were they, like, this whole time... I I haven't asked this. Like, were they doing the type of sketch comedy that they were doing, like, in their show? Because I know we haven't gotten their show yet, yet, but, like, it's pretty... You know, it's pretty raunchy, well, I guess. That's, <laughs> that's actually part of what we're going to cover when we talk about the show. Okay. But I, I would say to a certain extent, yes. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at that first season, I feel like most of the stuff they had done within that first season is stuff that they were doing live. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason why that first season works, even though it's not shot as well... It, it, it definitely doesn't look as good because it's on, like, a, a soundstage, but it does help with, like, the pacing of it and them being acclimated to coming out to a soundstage and performing these bits the way that they have, I, I think is, is why so much of that first season translates as well as it does from what they were doing within the last number of years to what they're doing now on television. And then it's the second season going forward that you start to see more of that humor become more and more adult or even beyond adult extreme, as it was labeled by Fuse. Mm -hmm. And from that, I also feel like part of it is they they just had a bank of their, their sketches that they had been performing and was television ready. So with that, by that time, they started to work with a producer while he was part of them being able to do it. They had been recognized on a national level through winning these. And Trevor Moore was going around and shopping the show that they had go on to make to like Sundance Channel and various other networks. The one who picked them up, though, is Fuse. Now, Mm -hmm. that whole first season with Fuse is, like I said, again, for the most part, pretty much shot on select locations, but shot in studio for the most part. And I, I honestly find it to be some of my favorite stuff, but a lot of that stuff was actually things that they were already doing for YouTube. And they just... Straight up just took them right back. Yeah. Like, so what you're like, this was like early YouTube then, right? Yeah. Yeah. This would be 2006. 
Oh wow, it's like really early YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean they, wow. they likely weren't only posted to YouTube. They very well mm-hmm. were on like MySpace and things like that as well. Yeah. But but the point being is that early mm-hmm. social media posts and stuff like that had things like the slap sketch and mm-hmm. and things like that. And then those just came with them. Actually, I think they had to buy back the rights to one of the sketches because it was like picked up for a pilot. And then this is with Sundance, and then somebody stepped in, maybe even Robert Redford himself, uh, <laughs> and you know uh, they bought that back, and then took it with them to Fuse and posted it online beforehand, okay. maybe. So, mm-hmm. but regardless, like there was stuff that they shot for online content that just came in and was put into the the Fuse television show. Mm-hmm. So while they're at Fuse, it becomes a hit for Fuse as a network. Now, if you don't know what Fuse is or was, it used to be Much Music in Canada. Much Music was the Canadian answer to MTV. Okay. What? Wait, I, wasn't VH1 Canadian at one point? I, I don't believe so. I believe VH1 no. also had buildings in New York City. And and to be honest, the, the thing that I always had with VH1 was that it was it was mm. more about classic rock. You know what yeah. I mean? Like VH1 seemed to like cater towards more like, yeah, old, like, I don't know, I don't want to say older, but non, like, you know, right. modern music. You know, like whatever the popular music was at the time. Yeah, it was always like oldies. Something like that. It was either adult contemporary or oldies. That's, that's the way I looked at it. Anything yeah. that's top 40, mm-hmm. obviously if you're a music network, you're going to play and cater mm-hmm. to that market, that that programming. But, like, for the most part, it, it, it was sure. about that. And then, like, later on, it, it did the MTV thing, too, as well, and became more about, like, well, you know, we, we got to get these reality shows in, you know? Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is now. Yeah, is VH1 even around? I don't even know if it was anywhere. I mean, like, Love and Hip Hop yeah. and stuff like that was a VH1 yeah. advent. Okay. So, I so, don't... yeah. 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 Yeah, and then like, well, I do remember what you're saying Fuse. Like, I think I had Fuse, or I, I remember Fuse on something, maybe only from Whitey's Kids, you know. But because like, I just remember like music, uh, on Fuse or something like that involved with Fuse. It was still a MTV esque channel, right? Like Whitey's Kids, you know. Mm-hmm was some of the only original content it produced. You could get it in America though, right? Yes. Yes. You could get okay. So I think it's it just America. headquartered and based in Toronto. Like that's not okay. make it seem like like you know, we were lucky because well, I didn't of our channel. Toronto chan- like because there was like Canadian channels like White or Trailer Park Boys. You know, it's right. like you can't Right. Like it didn't I guess it did eventually come to America, but you know, it wasn't on the original mm-hmm. um, No, and much music was already a part of, of most basic or expanded cable packages. I believe I thought so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't remember much music, but I remember Fuse. But that's sure. what I'm saying, is that like but mm-hmm. previous to it becoming Fuse, it was already a part of like basic or expanded cable packages. And I believe mm-hmm. part of Fuse having the name change to that was expenditure. Right? Let's rebrand, let's not be the Canadian MTV, and, you know, thus you get more coverage, more eyes, more, you know, etc. Yeah. So. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, what it's because you know it's definitely not music related. No, but but it, it, it was slightly musical. As we said, they they got picked up at Fuse, and it was a hit for the network. Now, almost immediately. 
they were picked up for a second season. But they, uh, they had some caveats, some limitations on content, specifically. They viewed, and even season one, which comparatively to the other four seasons is tame, I believe. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, there is a lot of stuff in there that you could be like, whoa, they got away with that on on basic cable? Yeah, they certainly did. But, like, comparative to what they did later on, there's not, (laughs) there's nothing to scoff at. Um, Mm -hmm. But they were directly trying to limit what these guys were going to do and say their sketches about and include within them. And I can understand that because I mean, some of the stuff they do is like looking at it now. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that was pretty bold. You know, even doesn't matter the time. Well, and even I, I will say this, I feel like now, you look at season one, which there is a lot of season one that has like racially based humor. And I'm not saying like they were poking fun at minorities. I'm saying mm-hmm. like they were poking fun at white fear. Like, you know what I mean? Like directly in what we referenced before, like you have Trevor Moore doing this skit and then the skit ends air quotes to show Trevor Moore dressed up in like a sweater vest and a, and a button down shirt and drinking a coffee in like this nice little quaint suburban home talking about how he gets blue screened in with a black actor. Like it it is, (laughs) it is directly addressing white fear. And, Mm -hmm. and that today could be as controversial as anything they've ever produced, you know, realistically. And like, so again, I could see why anybody with a sketch group that would be to the extent that these guys are, I mean, they're, they're kind of subversive. They're definitely dirty and it's all funny though. And I don't think any of it was ever done with, a, a hurtful angle or mindset or even in no, a different never. one. Right. So mm-hmm. with that, the, the sketch group itself was kind of ready to not accept its second season. This, mm-hmm. however, changed when the then head of programming for Fuse became the general manager for IFC and decided to bring Whitest Kids You Know with her. And Rainbow Media, owner of both companies, approved that move. So now, you have the whitest kids you know going to a more open and free space for its artistic endeavors. And beyond that, okay. when you look at the way these guys were doing like their online content and stuff like that, it's run and gun. Everybody... Whether you're talent or you're the director or whatever you may be, like you're handling things to do for production as well as your role within the project. And that for IFC fit oh so well. Now, that being said, that's going from a a union to non-union set. And by the end, when like they're doing baked beans and things like that, like they shot Timmy with like a can of Bush's baked beans poured into a uh, a t-shirt gun <laughs> with like just 
a sheet behind him and like uh, re- realistically yeah. on television like there, there's a part of a reason why you have a union just like any other union there is but like yeah i mean that 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 is part of it well and like that's the thing because like i mean i don't know if we're kind of i'm kind of skipping ahead here but i feel like i've heard in the, like timmy kind of had a falling out with the group once like they ended um i mean they got back together um recently but from what i heard read i I don't know if it's true at all but like he wasn't very happy with the way they treated him obviously (laughs) well so after the show ended okay all of these guys kind of went on well but wait when did the show end Uh, the the, uh the last season started to air in 2011 okay yeah and after that so just as a breakdown of, of what some of these guys were doing around that time so Morin Krieger, within the last couple seasons of the show, actually, had done Miss March. It's a film that Morin Krieger wrote and directed together. And started. And started together. Mm-hmm. We're probably one of the few people. Yeah. <laughs> one of the few people that went and saw it in the theaters. We did. But it was a good movie. It was a good movie, though. <laughs> well, not I according to Rotting Tomatoes, because yeah. not only was it a terrible flop, it, it has, like, a horrible uh, <laughs> rating. Uh, I honestly critically. don't see, like, how it's any worse than, like, any other movie that's out there. Real, I mean, like, you know, like a love movie. Like, I, think, I, mean, I guess you I think like what it is know, but, I think what it is yeah. is it's just the time frame in which it happened. It it is yeah. it is American Pie band camp but as a theatrical production with two out of five of the sketch group. Realistically, yeah, that is that mm-hmm. is what makes it kind of a a problem. And like even when you look at the humor that those guys were doing in that film, it's not whitest kids you know. It's not like either really really like out there or really really smart humor Mm -hmm. it's it's just another movie and i think that's exactly part of your point is it's just like every other american pie movie that was made it's just like a van (laughs) wilder which like yeah great but like i've seen van wilder and all of the american pies by 2009 i was over it yeah (laughs) like the rest of america but Hugh Hefner was in it, wasn't he? It's yes. actually the last appearance of Hugh Hefner in a film before he died in 2017. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy, though. So, mm-hmm. after the events of Miss March and the the show wrapping up, which the final season is an, in and of itself contains a theatrical film that's now on Amazon, and apparently it has commentary on it as well, called The Civil War on Drugs. That is, I did not know that. Yeah, that is a 10-minute snippet at the end of every episode of Season 5. I am so watching that. We watched tonight. it together. Did we? <laughs> oh, yeah, but now it's on Amazon. I do okay. think I do think you will walk away with this with something to add to your watch later list, though, for sure. Okay. But okay. So, so to kind of go forward, in 2013, Moore made... His first album, and it was titled Drunk Text to Myself. He released a second called High in Church in 2015, and a third in 2018 called The Story of Our Times. Okay? Okay. So, he was kind of doing his own thing. Zach Krager, on the other hand, during those years, was having roles in sitcoms like Rack, Friends with Benefits, and Guys with Kids. 
So, okay. again, the two guys who, it, from most of what I've figured out about these five guys as a comedic group, was that mm. Trevor and Zach were really kind of the brain trust. The other three actors in the room were definitely a part of the writing process, and it's the whitest kids you know because it's the five of them as a unit. But yeah. as a production and assemblage, right, I, I would say Zach mm -hmm. and Trevor are, are the most important pieces. And it really shows sure. based on who went on to do what. Now, to kind of clarify, while I've never discovered anything to say why exactly Timmy would have any big problems with the way that, like, he was treated within the show, you could understand it because mm -hmm. the way a lot of things were shot and the way that mm -hmm. they dealt with certain things at, at points but like i i feel a lot of it was they those guys just kind of dissolved away and by the time that two of them made a movie and didn't include the other ones that very well could have been a part of it but well maybe they did i mean who knows how that yeah. all played out i mean yeah well and and but... i know i know from again from the commentaries and research that i was able to find that like as an example the hot dog sketch it Mm -hmm. Trevor wrote it without Timmy being in a room and then would then call him and say, like, is this okay? So I, I don't ever want it to come off unless Timmy Williams wants to get on here and say it wasn't like that. Like, well, sure. they were all friends working on these things together. But to be the butt mm -hmm. of the jokes as Timmy as often as he was could be a problem for him. I, I could understand that for sure. I mean, but overall, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, yes, he was a lot of the times. I, I, it's been a long time since I watched the show. Yeah. But, you know, like, some of the, like, big ones that come back to me are, like, you know, the Abe Lincoln one mm -hmm. or the Gallon of PCP or the, the Grapist. Yeah. <laughs> Things like... Gallon of PCP, I'm pretty sure, is one that mm -hmm. they had shot to be online and, and brought over as well. That's another season one one, just like oh, Abe really? Lincoln. Yeah. Abe Lincoln was something they shot Abe, with yeah. views, I think, though. Yeah. I was going to say, that, that is like a big set. Timmy, though, yeah. I do know, moved to South Dakota, back to South Dakota, and he currently works in radio from everything I've been able to really? gather. Yeah. Sam has voiced characters for Netflix's 12 Forever and is writing or was writing for Tig and Sec a cartoon network show so okay so there's been some work but like i could find nothing for darren really yeah I, I, you know like i mean if you go i don't know when unfortunately like, i don't know we'll get into this in a second about trevor but like i started like you know hearing about them right before all that happened and like yeah i think he just kind of became you know like a family man you know and just like he has a regular job being a family man i guess those two are regular jobs too but right you know even acting is but mm -hmm. you know they weren't celebrities they weren't actors obviously like you say yeah but, well yeah. And, and even when you look at some of the things these guys done like Tre so trevor has done some bits that were on comedy central and mm -hmm. and released those albums and things like that but like trevor was on television doing his own like public access show before he was even out of high school. He actually has an appearance on Chuck Woolery's dating game from 1999, I found. And like, wow. yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird mm. to see. But beyond that, mm. I, I guess my point is, is that like, I feel like Trevor was always going to be doing something just like this. Zach was always going to be doing stuff just like this. 
And like, sure. that's part of who they were for Sam and for Darren and for Timmy. They probably were just working on, you know, their big drive at that moment. And then once that ended, do I have the drive? Do I have the chops to write a movie all by myself? Whatever and whatnot. Probably not. Mm -hmm. Right. So Trevor also had some production credits that I'm going to maybe wow you with. Uh, In 2016, he was an executive producer and co-creator of a show called Walk the Prank. And then that Mm -hmm. ended, and shortly thereafter, he executive produced and co-created another show called Joe's Roll With It, and that was for Disney. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so surprisingly. Now, the other big thing that any of these guys had done, it would also be Zach, Mm -hmm. was in the last year, one of the big hype films in the horror genre was barbarian have you heard of barbarian at all i don't think so i thought i heard of a show uh about uh like the the romans and and germans that's called barbarian okay that's a good one right well that is that is it (laughs) um it is (laughs) it is a film that is written and directed by zach Kreger. really and yeah, and like I, I watched the half in the bag from Red Letter Media on it today, and I was I was so hopeful that they didn't just dunk on this movie, and they certainly didn't. They did give it a lot of praise, but part of the whole like opening fifteen minutes of that video is them saying like how big the hype machine was for this film, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean definitely like. It is one of those things where it, it takes a left turn from what you're expecting, and if you go in knowing nothing, it's it's better as a film overall. I think that could be said for a lot of films, though. Like, if, if you know nothing about a movie before you go and watched it, it's going to take you in wholesale versus the, the typical market that films are viewed in today, mm-hmm. where, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, we, we know half the things that happened on set before the film's out a lot of times between the coverage on every daytime talk show and nighttime talk show and (laughs) whole television shows about Hollywood and things like that. But yeah, I I really did think it was interesting that like one of the bigger films critically, but apparently it did really, really well at the box office was Zach Krager's film. Now, That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, during the pandemic and through, the Whitest Kids You Know did reunite online. And they would do several different streams throughout the week. Like various shows for each cast member on Twitch. And then those would get thrown off into YouTube. And one of the big revelations was that these guys were going to produce a movie called Mars. It was going to be animated. And... Unfortunately, in 2021, Trevor Moore fell off his roof and hit his head, so blunt force trauma, and died. Uh, His alcohol content was higher than the legal limit, and it's a tragedy for him and his family. And just because of the influence that that guy had on us, I'd like to dedicate this episode to him. With that, apparently Zach has said that Trevor's lines were already recorded 
and that the Mars that we will get will be the one that he signed off on. So, really, yeah. So the thing that kind of brought him into the forum for all of us will be the thing that he will have last been seen in, I guess, you know, or heard in. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's crazy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do I, think uh, that's awesome to hear, though, that like. That, that we're still going to get it. We're still going to get that last piece of whitest kids. Mm-hmm. But it it is very sad that that Trevor uh, passed away and left us it is, as man. soon as he did. Yeah, because I was watching those things, you know, or mm-hmm. like a few of them. And like, you know, I was really excited to hear about like them. Get, I, did, I, I missed the part about them with the Mars thing. That really sucks that like he's gone. But it's cool that yeah. like, you know, there is that one last piece. absolutely oh and for everybody they ever covered from like abraham lincoln to trent reznor and all these important figures uh i i'm really surprised they never covered isaac newton yeah they haven't (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean isaac newton man he's he's a crazy person and like i wanted to talk about him just because like i haven't i don't think i've done a actual like just biography of someone yet i i don't plan on doing too many of them but Isaac Newton is just kind of special because he created like science. Well, not really, but in a way, he kind of made science a lot of the ways that it is today. He was a big influence of that, you know. I was gonna say, right? He's a founding father of science as we know it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Because okay. okay, so he was born uh, December twenty fifth. You know, he's born on Christmas, uh, sixteen forty two. Neil deGrasse Tyson always wishes him a happy birthday on Christmas. Man, That's it makes awesome. people mad. Yeah, it's funny. But <laughs> but he he died March thirty first, uh, seventeen twenty seven. So he lived a while. You know, he's he lived to be like eighty four years old. But, yeah, that's um, wild, bro. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. But he was he was born in uh, Wolfstorp, Lincolnshire, England. I hope I said that right. He was he was a physicist and a mathematician. He trained in that in college and everything. In college is where he really came up with most of his theories and like developed them over his life. Uh, did he go to Oxford? Where did he go to college? He went to Trinity College in Cambridge, Cambridge University. But um, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. But, that was one of the things I was wondering is when you said college, I was like, okay, so colleges are a thing then, yes. <laughs> which like I have a bad frame of reference for history, so I probably should have known that. But I know of Cambridge and Oxford and things like that because of their love for prestige. So I figured Newton had been to one of those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think like colleges, like, I want to say like it was like the 1300s when like Oxford was first created and like oxford was like one of the first ones yeah, <laughs> yeah. 1300s are early i know there's an earlier college than that than that but i think oxford's the oldest one in england i mean it really does make sense i probably should have known that by the 1600s there were universities mm-hmm. but like... like late renaissance you know you gotta think like 16 1642 is like ah, middle renaissance i guess you know he was born in the renaissance essentially so like this is when like all this crazy scientific and artistic and all these like revolutions are happening in europe it's it's pretty crazy um right yeah so like he worked a lot in optics he worked in the laws of motion and math you know we'll get into a little later not much because calculus is crazy but he was very pivotal in calculus and also gravity was a big thing so his book uh the principia was his i guess magnum opus kind of it kind of laid out most of his theories and stuff like that um okay yeah so he was born to a middle class family like so not like 
he wasn't rich, but you know, his dad, he was, uh, he wasn't destitute either as a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like his dad worked with the royalty, but like he wasn't part of the royalty. A he was servant. just kind of like, like a knight. Yeah. Like a servant, but not a servant, like a knight kind of type deal. Like middle class. Okay. Middle class yeah, yeah, yeah. was that, you know? I yeah. Um, but his dad died three months after oh, he was born. Wow. Uh, after that, yeah. yeah. After that, his mom remarried. But he was also like really sickly as a baby. Like they thought he was going to oh. die. And he ended up living to be 84. Wow. So his mom remarried. And then his stepdad already had a couple kids. And I guess back then they were like, yeah, I'm not taking your kid. You know, I'll remarry. You know, I'll marry you, but your kid's not coming. Right. I'll marry you, but not your kid. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. So so he got pawned off to his grandmother, unfortunately. And for nine years, he was separated from his mom. I don't know how much you know about Newton, but like he's kind of a crazy-ish guy. So some attribute this separation from his mom to like maybe like i'm sure that had a lot to do with it it seems to me that like it was something that he was maybe bored with not necessarily afflicted afflicted by by. exactly yeah yeah well i mean and, and i will say this it seems like some of the most advantageous minds of their time are often some of the most eccentric figures in that portion of history so it to me like when we speak about benjamin franklin there's a lot of things that people are like Oh, yeah, but did you know he did this? And he would, like, air dry himself out of the bath in a window and whatever else. And it's like, you know, I I, I don't think he's doing all of that out of perversion mm-hmm. as much as he's just, like, a, the freest of free thinkers. Maybe a little too free at times, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it is part of that eccentricity that kind of leads into advantageous thought. That mm-hmm. being said... There definitely could be some emotional baggage there that, at that time, what level of processing and figuring it out did they have? Not well, even very so, much man. at all, probably. Like, I mean, even nowadays, you know, like, if a mother left her kid for nine years, and then... Right, yeah. Like, cause, okay, the abandonment so, Exactly, like, that's, yeah, that's terrible. So, once the stepdad... The stepdad died. She was like, "Oh well, now come back and mm-hmm. run the the farm and everything." Like, "Oh now, oh stepdad's dead, so come back now." And, you know, and like yeah. like they could tell that that wasn't what he was meant to do. He was like very bookwormish and stuff. So like mm-hmm. they sent him off to a grammar school in Grantham, Gra- Grantham Grammar School, where I guess he he was already studying there a little bit. But the notable thing there is that he learned Latin, which would allowed him to like read a lot of things um, right and like yeah obviously prepared them for college because school was a little different back then you know like college was kind of like where you learned the majority of the stuff mm-hmm. in june of 1661 he enrolled in the, the trinity college in at cambridge and by that time i don't know how much you know about like the scientific revolution but like galileo had already been like he actually died the day that uh or like the same year that newton was born maybe it was the day of or the same year one of the two um right but Galileo, he was the one that like invented telescopes or you know refined telescopes to where they like were able to be used to to view stuff, yeah. and, like, look to the moon and stuff like that. Copernicus was already around with his heliocentric theory of the uh, solar system, where the sun right. Is in the so central. everything's revolving around the sun, not around us. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yep. 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 And like uh, Johannes Kepler was also like uh, had 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 described like the the orbits of everything of the the planets and moons and stuff around that so like these things like isaac newton i think was the one that was credited with saying like i discovered these things on the shoulders of giants and like that's like one of my favorite quotes uh 
Because like, yeah, it's true, man. That's what science is. You just, you build upon, build upon, build upon. That's what we do in science. And like, that's the beautiful thing about it. So like, he studied all these things. He also studied like Aristotle and this uh, Rene Descartes. He was more of like a philosopher and stuff. By that time, like he was started forming ideas like within the, his time in college. By, by 1669, he had like developed calculus, like a bunch of things in optics and stuff, which we'll get into. And like even the binomial theorem, he invented that. I don't know if you know what the binomial theorem is. But I do not. No. <laughs> so that's like no. when you got like X plus Y in parentheses times x plus y in parentheses calculus i'll quickly go into this because we're going to skip past math i know math's not interesting to a lot of people (laughs) calculus Mm -hmm. deals with rates of change so it's a lot of graphing and stuff like that it's about Mm -hmm. it's to find like what a certain point is on a on a line right or on a graph and also dealing with the space underneath those points so it's it's a lot of like rates of change essentially is what math is or what calcu- right. what calculus that is. math yeah is, what right. yes yeah he researched like circular motions of the moons and planets and stuff like that and that's one of the biggest thing about gravity is the inverse square law and that's as you get closer to an object every time you get twice as close to an object gravity is squared it's squared right. higher so you know yeah. it's so every double you have x squared 2x yeah yeah, it's this is getting very you know complicated i'm trying to keep it in layman's terms but that's a very important thing when you think about it yeah yes yeah with with light it it even matters with light so how like how much light is at an object and from that we can like determine distances from things and stuff like that like it's 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 super important like it's this is this is fundamental things that he discovered um right yeah 1665 he graduated and there was a plague hit right around then. So, like, he was, like, pretty much confined to his house, kind of like us for, you know, the right. past couple of yeah. years. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You know, that, like, that's where he really laid the foundations for calculus and, and thought about a lot of, about optics and stuff like that. And then that's that was when he, he developed the inverse square law. And all of this stuff, though, nobody heard about at that time. And it wasn't until, like, many years later where, like, really he became big. But in uh, 1667 is when he started uh, working at the Trinity College. He went back to uh, Trinity College to work there. Uh, soon after that, a friend retired, and he became the Lucasian professor of mathematics. Um, okay. And that, like, he did a lot of, like, uh, he would give, like, lectures and stuff. It wasn't, like, so much, like, a uh, professor as nowadays. He's more like, you know, he would, like, give lectures, like, not as often, you know. But he did right. optics a lot. Like, he talks about optics a lot. And then... From that, like, he was the one that discovered that optics, what, like, a white light was actually all the colors of the rainbow together. You know, he discovered the rainbow, essentially. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he, like, I don't know if he invented the prism, but he was able to, like, uh, separate Yeah, man, Pink Floyd. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, he was, like, he also, like, determined, like, how, like, things refract from, like, so, like, why a blue thing is blue or why a green thing is green. And because the way okay. light it absorbs certain rays of light and gives off the you know the green ones that that's what makes it green, you know. Right. And like he had so much um, like controversy, like people like during that time, oh God, like there was right, a lot yeah. more like scientific because like they were just <laughs> they were discovering huge things, you know, kind of like right. climate change. But we were talking last week, you know, that's like mm-hmm. a modern a modern uh, equivalent, you know. 
another thing he did there's so much things he did <laughs> he um he hated how there was like this chromatic aberration in lenses in telescope lenses so that's like a like a ring of color so he switched to using mirrors in telescopes which is like what all the big telescopes use now is and they're called right. newtonian telescopes galileo made like the first telescope essentially he like right. improved upon that so that's awesome yeah so like some of the controversies you get into uh there's this guy robert hook like he's also like an optic guy you know he's a master in optics i was gonna say mm-hmm. that name sounds familiar yeah like he's i mean okay. he's he's a big scientist you know like they constantly were fighting like almost all of newton's life and like it caused him to like that. go into like isolation uh for like three years at one point um wow. <laughs> yeah or sorry no it caused him to go into isolation for six years at one point <laughs> and uh like yeah wow. like it but i mean his mom just died like right before then like he just i don't know like there is yeah he kind of became a liver like a recluse for a little while yeah and um he but he did like he kind of like, dabbled in alchemy and stuff during that time so like i don't know like he kind of always did but he didn't like he was trying to like extract knowledge from that it wasn't like he's like i'm gonna turn lead into gold or whatever you know but like he was trying to like deal with like nature the ethereal like because like gravity if you think about it is kind of like voodoo you know it's like this a force that attracts things you know like that's right what he ended up discovering you know it's like that's what gravity is is there there's a like everything has gravity and the bigger a mass is you know the more gravity it has like it's yeah right. he got an argument about gravity with hook eventually you know like about how a ball like if you dropped a ball how it would drop if you could go through the earth and all that and mm-hmm. that was like that kind of caused him to like come out and be like all right i'm showing you guys what these things are <laughs> you know right. so he came out with um the three laws of motion, uh, the Newtonian laws of motion, which is the number one is a body remains at rest until it is compelled to change by a force impressed upon it. So, I mean, that doesn't seem like much, but yeah, it makes sense, right? Like something's going right. to stay still until you do something to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number two, the change of motion is proportional to the force impressed. So that, you know, if you hit something really hard, it's going to move more. If you hit it less, it's going to move right. less, right? And then the big one that ever, well, the one that people, everybody always hears because it's come almost like a, like a motto to things, you know, is to every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, I, I always feel like that's one of those things that because it's applicable to people's emotions or mm-hmm. reactions, they've used it exactly. time and time again in yeah. a completely science illiterate fashion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a good like. It, it kind no, of absolutely. I'm not saying like, it doesn't fit the 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 role that it's used. I'm just saying like realistically, that is not what that man is talking about at all. And I'm not. Mm-hmm saying i'm not guilty of using that exact phrase in that exact circumstance i was talking about so, exactly yeah, just... but you can still have fun with it like you know like tonight i was telling my daughter about it and we were you know have we had a bunch of pillows and i was showing her that you know if i bumped her with the pillows she would go flying into the bunch of other pillows so it was pretty cool <laughs> 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 but yeah um but yeah, so like these these laws of motion perfectly fit into all the other like previous work about the orbital motion of planets and like from this from the observations of tides and the orbits of comets he formed the the laws of gravitation the the law of universal gravitation and that okay. is it states that every particle in the in the universe attracts each every other particle with a force that is proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between their centers. So, <laughs> what that is saying is that 
how massive something is and how far away it is affects what the gravity is. What I was kind of saying, the inverse square law right. is yeah, about, okay. you know, if it's, you know, if it's closer, it's going to be more attracted to it. If it's farther, it's going to be less attracted to it. If it's more massive, it's going to have more gravity. If it's less massive, it's going to have less. It's essentially. Right. So uh, things that we were talking about before we were, I think it was episode five when we were talking mm-hmm. about proto-Earth and things like that, of when exactly did the, the tiny formulated particles mm-hmm. start to gather in mass enough to have a gravitational pull. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that, like I was saying, everything has gravity, but like to where it, it creates that like planet there's like there is a certain you know mass i'm sure right i think i even said that uh but yeah (laughs) yep yep so yeah uh the principia book was published um around that time and that like that's when it became a star was when the principia and like from that like he uh he left a lot of his academic work like shortly after that and uh he had another nervous breakdown (laughs) when his friend died which is understandable it's understandable you know yeah um but uh, he had a job being the warden of the mint in London, and that's what he pretty much did for the rest of his life. Uh, and like he like he was not like just like you know some rich guy that was gonna like just sit there and collect money. No, he went after like counterfeiters and everything, like improved nice. like the processes of it and everything because he's Newton. I mean, obviously, right. you know, this guy's like not gonna sit around and do nothing. Yeah. So when um, did he get knighted and became Sir Isaac Newton? Is yes. that when he was doing that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I was getting, yep, I was just going to get that. So, like, so before that, uh, in 1703, uh, he became the president of the Royal Society, which was, like, essentially like the head scientist of England, <laughs> if you think okay. about it. You're like, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then in 1705, that was when he was knighted by Queen Anne. And that was, he was actually the first scientist to be knighted. So that's, you know, pretty cool. That is um, pretty cool. Yeah. He published his his work, his work on, like, calculus and all that in 1704. But this guy Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz from uh, from Germany. I probably said that wrong. <laughs> um, he like disputed again. Another guy saying, "Ah, oh, plagiarism," you know. But right. like, Newton had like plenty of stuff going way back to the sixties, like you know, sixteen sixties, showing that. Now like, I've, I've, been I've been working on but this. But right. also, like they independently discovered it, though. It's it's crazy because a lot of the stuff that ha- that's what happened. A lot of like people independently discovered these things around that time, and like right. it just came together like that. He had to deal with that. Like you know, not much happened in the, like his later years of life. You know, I mean, right. like, you know, not notably, um, but like he dealt with that plagiarism like crap for the rest of his life, which uh, he he just kind of died peacefully in seventeen twenty seven, uh, in his sleep. You know, which is what, the way I hope everybody goes. He's just an interesting guy, man. He was really interesting. That is actually really interesting, man. Like, I, yeah. you know, and it's funny, too, because I think when anybody hears the name Isaac Newton, they might not even say Sir Isaac Newton. But then to get to the point of like, well, why do you know that name? People would probably say gravity, the Apple story, etc. Yes. The and Apple then story, to hear yeah. like, no, this guy was able to revolutionized the telescope uh developed calculus uh it established a level of scientific formulas and understanding for gravitational poles of planets mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's in insane the, in the 1600s right exactly like mm-hmm. it, it's a guy who's kind of sold short to be perfectly honest like i agree yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy man that was a really really good pick for your first <laughs> for your very first spotlight you know well, yeah i'm glad you liked it man 
I don't know. I think he's a really cool guy. <laughs> I want other people to know about him. Yeah. No, I yeah, do. I do sure. too. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, with that, man. I mean, uh, Frog, he's out on his adventure. So uh, that'll be it for today. But Kyle, you want to lead us out? And with that, everyone, we would love to thank you for joining us here at the Brain Soda Podcast. Find us on Patreon. Follow us on TikTok. Find us on Facebook. And join us here every weekend for yet another episode of the Brain Soda Podcast. For Brad, for Frog, I'm Kyle, and we will see you again here soon. See ya. Blamity Blam. Ah, brain soda.